Welcome to Victory Church's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. I want to share with you a few minutes tonight about something that I've been um, thinking about off and on the last week. It's actually the marriage supper of the Lamb. You know, there's a lot of people, you know, it's sometimes it's cool to say, oh, I don't believe in the church. I don't believe in the organized church. Ever heard anybody say that before? Well, you know, you've heard me say this, but I'm, I'm gonna, I want to say it again. Everything that God does has a purpose, and its purpose is to display the greatness of his glory. Everything he does. Everything he does is about his glory. Created the sun, it was about displaying his glory. The universe, the planets, the fish in the sea. And he, he created man and his image and we fell into sin, but he became one of us and came and redeemed us from our sins to display the glory of his grace through your redemption. That's the whole point. He wants to show the glory of his grace, his love, his mercy, and his compassion through his great work of redemption in your life. Now, he's, he does it, you know, individually, but his, 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 his whole deal is, is this corporate thing, to have a, a, a people, a people that he can live among, amongst, to have his, his own community, his own family, and it's called the church. And if you go to the very end of the book, of the book of Revelation, you'll find that, that God puts on display at the very end in Revelations 19, he begins to put on display his, he calls his church his bride. He calls his church his bride. He created marriage in the, in the very beginning. One of the first things that he did was to create man in his image, took woman from his side, and formed this beautiful relationship. The, the husband would join himself to his wife, and Paul said that this union was, was, in, it was designed to display the relationship between Christ and the church. That's what it was for. That's the, the purpose of marriage. Of course, it's to, to, to be, have companionship and love and to have a family and all of that. But the primary purpose of marriage is to display the love of Jesus for his bride. The primary purpose. That's what it says in the Bible. So, yes, yeah, so God has redeemed a people for himself. And the next great prophetic act is when he comes and his bride is displayed in all of her glory. And we enter into this celebration, the marriage supper of the Lamb that's going to be beyond any of our expectations. It's something. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a couple things about this tonight. I, I just pray that, that a passion, a love for Jesus would just grip our hearts, that we would love him. We'd love him with all our heart, all our soul, and all our strength. That comes by the Holy Spirit. I pray that a, a compassion, a passion for Jesus would consume us, that you would be consumed with your love. And how does that happen when you begin to see that he is consumed with his love for you? Listen to this, Revelation 21. That's the second to the last chapter in the Bible. But John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I can't wait to see it. 
a new heaven. Now, the, you know, we know there's going to be a new earth, but a new, a new heaven, he says, in other words, a new universe. A new universe that won't be like this universe. It won't be void. It won't be uninhabitable. You can't get out of the atmosphere here without being blown up by space. You can't find a star or a planet or any place where, where you can live right now because it's in a, a fallen state. He's going to destroy the heavens and the earth and create a new one. And the whole thing, as far as far as far as it is for billions of light years away, it's going to be habitable. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be glorious. A new heaven and a new earth. And the first earth passed away. This one will burn up. It'll just be, it'll be gone. Dust in a moment of time. And there's no longer any sea. And then I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. That's what's next. Well, who, who would qualify? You know, people kind of like they, they measure up. You ever heard somebody, they married up? You ever heard of that before? <laughs> So usually, you know, there's sign of a compatibility, there's, there's some equality, and you can say, yeah, they make a cute couple, but whatever, it's, you know, it, and then you'll say they married up, well, that one's ugly and that one's beautiful, so something's gone on weird here. Well, who is, who's qualified? Who is qualified physically or intellectually to be married to him? Who is qualified to be the bride of Christ? Come on. Who would, who, would, who would qualify to be married to the Son of God? He is infinite. He's without sin. He's all-knowing. He's abounding with love and mercy. What about you? You would have to say that no one is close to his level and no one qualified to enter into that kind of relationship, especially one that lasts forever. But this is where it gets very interesting. He has qualified us to be sharers together with him in this marital bliss. That's, that's the deal. We have to have the, the wedding garment put on us. The wedding garment. Do you know what the wedding garment is? The wedding garment is Christ himself. He is the wedding garment. We are washed in the blood and we're clothed with Christ. This is the garment that we have to be wearing to go in to the marriage feast. Jesus told parables about this. Yeah, he's qualified us. He, how, how could someone like me, ungrateful, immoral, betrayer, liar, thief, shall I go on, ever qualify to be his eternal partner. What about you? What kind of skeletons are lurking in the darkness of your past? He took us from our sin and misery, washed us in his blood, and filled us and transformed us by his spirit. We've become glorious like he is, glorious because he has given us his very life to dwell inside of us. We are like him by his work of redemption. Wow. Revelations 21.2. Here's a commentary on that from Jonathan Edwards. He says, to come down from heaven. He says, this new Jerusalem is coming down from heaven. 
are from God. In scripture language, this means the divine origin of a thing. Thus, the saints or elsewhere said to be from above as the wicked are said to be from beneath. The church of Christ is holy from God of heavenly origin. The saints are all born of God. How many of you are, are born of God? Come on. We are, we are his workmanship. We are, we are elected, redeemed, regenerated, sanctified, and made happy from all of this. Of God they are in Christ Jesus. I'm in Christ by his doing who has made unto me wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. All that belongs to the spiritual being and glory of the new Jerusalem is from God. It's of him and through him and in him are all things. So until he comes, we are being made ready. We are being transformed to be like him. Every time he meets us in prayer, in reading scripture, or in the church service, his glory is transforming us. We are being changed into his image in preparation for the wedding supper of the Lamb. The wedding date is almost here. He's getting us ready. He's getting us ready. Yeah, this mystery is great, Paul said. He said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his flood, to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, Paul said, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. So we are called. He calls us out. He calls us out of the world. He calls us out of promiscuity. He calls us out of immorality. He calls us out of prostitution. He calls us out of bribery and thievery and pride. And he calls us to be his own. He washes us in his blood and he dresses us with his garments of righteousness and calls us into the marriage supper of the Lamb. So I am called in Song of Solomon. It starts the Song of Songs, the song of all songs. He's calling us. And in the song of all songs, it starts like this. May he kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your love is sweeter than wine. Your oils have a pleasing fragrance. Your name is like purified oil. Therefore, the young women love you. Draw me, Lord, and I will let's run together. I will run after you. Draw me. Do you feel his attraction in your life? Do you feel the pull of God? You should. You should feel this pull, this pull to be with him, to be with him in prayer, to be with him in the word, to be with him in worship, an attraction to his loveliness. Draw me, lords, and I will run after you. The king has brought me into his chambers. Oh, yeah, so yeah, he, he draws us by his spirit. He brings us into this covenant this, this, this marriage covenant. He brings us into this covenant, this eternal covenant. He brings us into this covenant by his own precious blood. That's what made me qualified. That's what washed away the stain of sin from my conscience and from my life and made me whiter than snow. That I can be purified, white, spotless and without blemish from his perspective. 
prepared to be with my Lord for eternity. In him, we have redemption. Paul said, in him, we have redemption through his blood. So yeah, that's the marriage covenant. But just before the marriage covenant, there's this, this thing called the engagement. In the Jewish world, it was the betrothal. In the Jewish world, it lasted for a year. But the betrothal, when there was a, a promise given, a promise of another life. And the, that's, in a, that's where we are right now as the bride of Christ. We're in that betrothal period. He's, he's, he's drawn us. Yeah, we belong to him. We're married to him. But we're not, we're not with him yet completely. Yes, it started, but not, but not really. It's yes, it's yes, but it's no. It's, it's here, but it's not. It's, it's, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, there's a, an irony. There's something, you know, a gray area. We're being attracted to, to this lifelong eternal relationship. But he gives us a promise. And the promise is in Ephesians 1. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. So the Holy Spirit marked you. When, you, when he put his hand upon your life and the Holy Spirit entered into your life, you were sealed. You were marked. A seal in the Bible was a mark on someone that recognized authority. You could see it. You could recognize that this possession belongs to someone else. You have a mark on you. It's this mark that's on you is the Holy Spirit. The Lord can see it. The angels can see it. The demons can see it. Everywhere you go, you are marked. You are marked by God. If you belong to him, you carry the seal of God upon your life everywhere you go. We don't fit into this world. This world is not our home. We don't belong to this community any longer. We were once part of it, but we've been called out to be his people, his church, his brides. If you feel uncomfortable in the community, this world community, that's the way it's supposed to be. You don't belong there anymore. So yeah, and he, he goes on in verse 14 out of the Amplified, that guarantee, that seal, the Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. Yeah, the guarantee of our inheritance. Um, let me read it out of the Passion. I love this out of the Passion. Because of him, when you who are not Jews heard the revelation of truth, you believed in the wonderful news of salvation. Now we've been stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. He's given to us like an engagement ring. In Greek, it's Erebon, which is engagement ring. It's the, the guarantee, the foretaste, the pledge of our inheritance. But he gave us something. He gave us a pledge. He gave us a wedding ring, just like a promise of an engagement. In this wedding ring, it's real, it's substance, it can be felt, it can be put on. This guarantee, this wedding ring is the Holy Spirit. Actually, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is this guarantee. I have a guarantee. I have an assurity in my heart. He sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of me and to live upon me. And I am certain beyond any question, any shadow of a doubt that he's in me and that he's with me. And he's promised me an eternal life with him. And I'm tasting the edge of it. It's the foretaste of my inheritance. 
the foretaste of this marital bliss that he's called us into, that we will enjoy forever. It's a promise that I'm going to be with him, that he's going to be with me, that I'm going to enjoy the sweetness of his company and the sweet fellowship of intimacy with God for all eternity. It's my portion. It's my pledge. It's my inheritance. It belongs to me. It was purchased with his blood, and the guarantee that I have it is what I'm tasting right now, the Holy Spirit. It's the pledge of my inheritance. Yeah, okay, well, I've, this, there's, a, there's a celebration coming. We're gonna, we'll, we'll talk about this. I have two little things I wanna read about this, and then we'll have some prayer time. Revelations 19, seven through nine. Let's rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him because the marriage of the lamb has come. It's upon us. The great day is upon us. His bride has prepared herself. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Christ is in me. He's changed my behavior. Christ is showing himself through me, through my deeds and through my actions. We can see the, the, the evidence of the marital bliss and the marital covenant by the actions that are becoming prominent in our lives now. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. Then we can go to this, this next, this last chapter 21, verse 9 through 11. And, and this, is, this, this is the culmination of creation. The defining moment of God's creation. The defining moment of his redemption story. When the bride and all of her glory from every tribe, from every tongue, from every generation, from every time period, when the bride and all of her glory is presented to Christ and all of creation will see it. You know, we have no idea what the future is going to be like. You know, if, if, if you believe the Bible and what I said earlier about there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. You know, the new heavens and the new earth will probably, oh yeah, it most definitely be, you think about Star Trek, it's going to be loaded with, with people up there, all kinds of people. And you know what our job will be? We'll be the, we'll, there'll be great stories being told throughout the universe about this race of people that lived on this small remote place called earth that fell in rebellion and God himself became one of them and redeemed them with, with his own blood from their sins and we'll be put on display to glorify his grace throughout eternity. That's what the plan of God is. It's going to be bigger than you think. You won't even need a spaceship to go there. It's going to be an instant transportation. So come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God and her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone. The end of the Bible and the closing chapters of Revelation helps us begin to glimpse God's ultimate and glorious plan. 
The scripture teaches us that all of God's creation primarily exists to display the glory of God. From the minute intricacies of the microscopic world to the grandeur and majestic majesty seen in the universe, everything pulsates with the glory of God, all creation. The Lord saves his greatest display of his glory for the closing chapters of his word. The ultimate display of God's glory in his glory is the glory displayed in the bride of Christ. She is seen coming down from heaven onto the new earth, radiating with the glory of God. Think about it. The bride consists of a multitude of fallen humans. Each member of this bride purchased by his blood and transformed by his spirit. We've been joined together as one body presented before all creation is the ultimate display of God's glory displayed in his act of grace towards us. So the Lord has taken liars, adulterers, bigots, and transformed them by his love. We exist to display God's ultimate work, the redemption of a fallen race through his love. Oh, that's, he's gonna display his glory through us. But then, There's the other side of this. And that's the best part. The other side of this is our eternal joy in him. (laughs) It's gonna be better than you can imagine. Oh, some of you have gotten really smacked with the joy of the Lord's. Oh, it's just a little drop of an ocean. It's all it is. There's an ocean of that reserved for eternity. We taste the edge of it here now. We get drops of it falling on us and we think we're, we become ecstatic under the, uh, the joy, the supernatural joy found in his presence. But there's an ocean of that, the joy of the Lord, of marital bliss, of compassion beyond compare that we're gonna step into for eternity. So here's Jonathan Edwards, a paragraph about that. Come hither and I will show thee the bride the Lamb's wife. Then will come the time when Christ will sweetly invite his spouse to enter in with him into the palace of his glory, which he's been preparing for her from the foundation of the world. And shall, as it were, take her by the hand and lead her in with him. And this glorious bridegroom and bride shall, with all their shining ornaments, ascend up together into the heaven of heaven, the whole multitude of glorious angels waiting upon them. And this son and daughter of God shall, in their united glory and joy, present themselves together before the Father when Christ shall say, here I am, here am I, and the children which you have given to me." That's what Jesus is going to say. He's going to have his bride with him, and he's going to look to the Father and say, here I am, Father, with the children which you've given to me. Hallelujah. And they both shall, in that relation and union together, receive the Father's blessing and shall thenceforth rejoice together in consummate, uninterrupted, immutable, everlasting glory in the love and embraces of each other in joint enjoyments of the love of the Father. In other words, the very thing your heart is longing for is that. You've tried to fill it with speed or crack or heroin or alcohol or sex with somebody else's wife or with a big fat fast car or with a house or with jewelry or with 
doing all kind of crazy stuff to your body to make it look like it's not created the way it really was created. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you get into a community like that and everybody looks like the Joker on Batman. It's like really, really weird. <laughs> But your heart is longing, it's longing for something. And it's, it's just, it's just you, the, the thing is, when you finally taste the love of Jesus, you thought, this, this is what I was looking for. This is what I was looking for. It was right there all along. And I was looking at this and this and this and this and that and that. And, and then I tried to get Jesus and this and Jesus and that. When I finally came to the conclusion, it's just, it's just him. That's all it is. It's just him. At the end of the day, it's just him. <laughs> That's all it is. Hallelujah. Let's, let's stand together, y'all. Come on. Visit our website at www.victorychurchnola.com for service times and more information. 